Satori Magazine is a space for thought-provoking content. By exposing ourselves to ideas, thoughts, experiences and life lessons, we might stumble across something which gives us new insight or a change of perspective. I'm Lawrence Rice, and I've been chatting to people about life, inspiration, the universe, and whatever else pops up along the way. What you're about to hear is the edited results of those recordings. The voices you will hear belong to Pico Ayer, Lawrence Torcello, Elisha Goldstein, BJ Miller, Parni Pal, and Lynn Didanen. Today's main contributor is Elisha Goldstein. You are the co-founder of the Centre for Mindful Living in West Los Angeles, and you give free weekly teachings online on your YouTube channel, Elisha Goldstein PhD. Uh, And if people do want to work with you more closely, they can look into the personal group mentorship program called Uncover the Power Within, which they can find through your website. Why is it important to breathe? Hmm. Well, first of all, if we didn't breathe, we'd cease to be alive. Sure. That is <laughs> the correct first answer. The first one. <laughs> um, and uh, and to, to, to attend to the breath hmm. is that the breath is a very, um, it's, it's a foundational aspect of our day-to-day life. And, and it's, it's almost like this subtle a little friend that's always working in the background that we're oftentimes not aware of, but can be an anchor for us in any moment that we need it. And Mm. so for us to be able to attend to the breath, also, if we're able to really attend to the breath, it dials down our thinking, typically. Yeah. It's two parts of the brain attending to the breath will activate one part while thinking will activate another and there's an inverse relationship between the two and thinking's oftentimes um, associated can be associated with when we think um, about the future or worry or ruminate on the past it can aid in anxiety or depression <laughs> not all thinking is bad but mm. the but when we, when those things are happening, if we can pause and soften our body and our breath can be an anchor, that then reduces the activity of that part of our brain and we can come back into a state of balance. And so the, the, the breath has an incredible amount of benefits to it. How we use the breath mm. can also help regulate our nervous system, can help give us energy, can help give stability of attention. Yeah. Um, can help bring in more positive emotions in our life, can help um, create more soothing of our nervous system, can help facilitate a sense of perceived connection. There's so many benefits to the breath um, that um, we could deep dive into any of those, but it's far more powerful than people typically give a credit for because it's just something we're used to and that we just take for granted it's just like our body just naturally breathes yeah yeah. but we can learn how to relate to it in a ways that are you know help us really uncover the various powers we have within ourselves yeah that's amazing and is that is that why it's important you know to to breathe in through the nose and out through your mouth you know what's the significance of that you know, it's interesting. When you say that, it makes me think about the way I lead meditations initially. And, you know, I, I like to be a little more playful with it, hmm. where you can, you, you want to bring a sense of curiosity and inquiry to your experience because not everyone's experience is the same. It's not a one size fits all. 
And so you can breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth as a form of releasing. Um, or you can breathe in through your nose and out through your nose and see what that's like and see yeah. what you notice as you do that. And so you can be more playful with your your attention and just more curious about it and just kind of see what you notice as you work, as you attend to your breath in those different ways. Like take a breath, like just take a breath, which means like take, take some time out, like yeah. get some space. Mm. And, you know, that can help us also create space in our mind. Like we just pause and we just take some breaths, get, take some space from the busyness and the hecticness that's there. That's, um, feel oftentimes it creates a feeling of overwhelm. Yeah. And so like, yeah, that saying like, take a breath has that intention to it. Um, yeah, <laughs> I've said that to someone recently. I said, this is your time just to take some space, take a breath. But that was take a breath was a metaphor for this period of time. Like ground yourself, come here, come down from the, you know, all the different problems your mind's saying you're having right now and get a little space, come back. I was on your website um, looking at the homepage for Uncover the Power Within. We have many uh, of the have you ever thought like this bullet points. And I just was saying yes to all of them. Yeah, I've thought like that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, but the one which stood out for me uh, was one that says, why can't I just do what I should do to be happy? Mm-hmm. Fairly, fairly recently after scheduling this interview with you i wrote down a question i thought this is one for elisha and the question i wrote was why don't i want to do what i want to do and i wondered what your thoughts are on that because i guess my an ongoing quest for me at the moment is how how can i get more in touch with myself so what are your thoughts on that so there's i think there's two parts to why we don't do the things we you know, know are good for us, Um, Mm. whether it's eating in a particular way or exercising regularly or sitting on the meditation cushion or being more loving and caring to our friends and family or, um, you know, playing the instrument we've always wanted to play or writing the book we've always wanted to write, whatever it might be. These are things we either want to do that because we know they're healthy for us or they'll help us realize a certain level of well-being or happiness or... Sure, yeah. um, the first thing is there's that we want to do is we want to be curious. We want to just engage a sense of curiosity around what is this resistance that's here? Um, what is there's there's something that comes up in, in just about everybody. So if you're experiencing this, you're not alone in it. That when we're moving to engage something new, a new type of habit or a new project or something like that, resistance arises. And the reason I say that is because it's really good to label it. Studies show that when we're able to label our emotions, um, we have a bit more control, a bit more wherewithal, we have a bit more perspective. And so Mm. we label the resistance, we might even notice where we're feeling it in our body. Yeah. And we might be curious about it and say like, well, what's this all about? Like, okay, so let's say I did engage in um, in this healthy activity. What would it look like? What would I get out of it? So sometimes we're not really prepared. We're, and this, this leads to the second part, and then I'll come back to this first sure, part. yeah. We are not, um, even though it seems this way because we're walking around encased in this flesh and we feel separate from everything else, we're actually not separate from our environment or the people around us or the things around us. Hmm. Um, And our brain is constantly taking in 
information and energy from people, places, and things. Sure. And so, uh, and so when we're in a particular context, let's say we're used to living in a particular house, we're used to going to particular work around the same people, and our brain has a certain way, a certain way it's, it's used to being. It's cued. There's a particular routine you fall into. There's a particular consequence or reward you get from that. And so we fall into that. The stream has a particular current yeah. and you're riding on it. Mm. That's basically it. So to move off of that current, that would take energy. Right. Not to mention the potential belief that you might fail at it. And if you fail at it, well, then that feeling will be really awful. Yeah. So I might have a lot of reasons. My brain might come up with a lot of reasons why maybe this isn't such a good idea. It's going to take too much effort. Well, this isn't a good time of day. I used to um, say that all the time when it came to my exercise. Like I'd come up with little ways of exercising here and there, but like to actually take time out in my day to act to to go for a period of time and go exercise. My brain would say, "Well, I got too busy. I got too much work to do. I got too much that." And then I. I was fortunate enough to have somebody who's close to me that said, come on, you've got to just come with me. Come on, I used to have a partner that would come with me and they're not with me anymore. Just come with me these couple times a week, come out to this, do this particular exercise. And they kind of pulled me there. And then I realized after doing it for a while, that I'm like, oh, I actually can do this. There is space for this. I didn't even realize there was space for this. Yeah. And, but my brain had all these doubts based on fear or resistance or, or the effort of not of wanting to break out of my routine. So, so there's the side, there's the, there's the reality of, of being in a particular context around certain per, pe people, places and things that are feeding us the same information. So the brain's not going to like move off of that routine based on that inter interdependence that's there. Mm. And then there's the coming back to the resistance um, it's upon us then, once we understand that, to come back to a preparation, because we're not aware of this, of why I even want to do this thing that's good for me. Yes. Our brain works off reasons. So remember I said before, it has all the reasons in the world why not to do it. Mm -hmm. It's and, and it has you know, failure or effort or whatever it might be. The, the reasons why is important for us to prepare with. So I really like, um, even though I don't, I have a lot of reasons not to, res to respect and not respect Henry Ford, but um, mm -hmm. the, the, the quote that he's famous for having said, which is, um, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Yeah, that's a good one. Speaks to an important thing around preparation. Mm -hmm. So the preparation for maybe to make this more actionable for everyone who's listening, the preparation for this, as we're going to need, as we're going to be swimming against the stream initially, mm. the preparation for this is to ask ourselves, why would I even want to do this thing? Like, what am I going to get out of it? Like, what's the value this hits on for me? So example with exercise, I'll bring it back to that. Yeah. Well, if I can, if, if I'm doing this regularly and I feel stronger, um, then I'm going to be able to be there for my kids longer, be able to pick them up, be able to play with them more into the future. I'll be able to create those more of those memories. That's for me. Mm. And that's one reason if I'm standing in front of the mirror and I like what I'm seeing a little bit more, that gives me a little pump up too, yeah. a little bit, right? That makes me feel good as well. And that's not, um, I think some people are careful to 
to to not lean on the material aspects of life too much but there's a reality be, behind you know different things that plan our brains implicit Absolutely. biases and that makes us feel good so that's good yeah um you know so that's that's for me so i come up with these reasons and i can visualize into the future so now i'm preparing i'm visualizing into the future because our brain also works off emotion our emotions influence our perceptions and decision making so this is an important process so i'm visualizing into the future and i'm visualizing like feeling stronger feeling looking more fit and i'm um, just feeling powerful and good in my body and i'm saying yes to that that sounds really great that's going to give me i'm more likely now to break past that barrier of resistance mm. and actually create a plan to put that thing into my life yeah. so if it's important to you but you find yourself falling prey to resistance or just a yo-yoing around or things like that and here's my suggestion uncover be aware of the resistance and name it that's important understand that you are not a silo and that the people, places, and things around you do matter and influence your perceptions and decision-making. Mm. Be able to um, think about and take time to prepare a little bit by thinking about what are the reasons you have for wanting to do this thing? What will you get out of it? Like, be, be feel free and have complete permission to be as selfish as you need to be in that moment. What are you going to get out of it? And maybe what are people around you going to get out of it? Are there benefits to other people around you? And, and then how is it going to make you feel when you're in that place? Because remember, our brain, our, the emotional center of our brain influences our perceptions and actions. So coming into how it's going to make you feel, going through this process of preparation is really important. And I'll give you just one example. And I know I've been talking for a while, but this is important. One example is corporations and online programming had like Facebook and various places like that have known for a long time that if they can make you feel a particular way, you're more likely to opt in and buy. Yeah. And so that, that that's because they know that they know they're, they're tuned into the neuroscience around it. Like our emotional center of our brain influences our perceptions and decision making. Mm. So if you can do that to yourself, but authentically, you're right. not trying to trick yourself, right? How is it going to make me feel? Can I feel that? Can I get in touch with the feeling of that future self? you're more likely to move through the resistance and move towards action and planning to bring that into your life. What's been useful for me is to start small if uh, within the context of any new goal or habit that I might be trying to adopt, just break it down to its smallest unit mm. uh, and start there uh, and to build consistency with that small change. Um, I have very specific routines around the nutrition, so the, the food that I eat, the timing of the food. Um, around movement, how much of movement I get in a day, in a week, uh, and my sleep, which I'm very particular about, and getting seven to nine hours of sleep every mm. night as much as possible. Um, and of course, all of my habits around my mindfulness practice so that I can regulate my emotions more consistently. So yes, I have, I have routines every day 
in, in these areas of, of my lifestyle that allow me to function a little bit better. And I think for, I think just as a general principle, you know, start small, find the thing that you're most motivated to do in that moment, lean into what inspires you. Don't try to do the thing that you think you should be doing. Um, and then I think that momentum of the successes that you get with a thing that you're starting with uh, can then um, build into doing the harder things um, uh, a little bit later on. So uh, it's very hard to make change on your own. Uh, we are a social species. Mm. And so again, our physiology has been designed to be optimized in a social context. So as much as possible, get the support of your family, friends, let them know this is a new habit that you're trying to adopt. Uh, and I think when you announce that, it gives others a sense of agency of wanting to help you as well. So give them that gift of, um, of helping you and supporting you. Um, and I think that kind of support is really essential, especially on the days when you forget to do the thing that you were wanting to do. So I think this idea of self-compassion and kindness is very important mm. in, in behavior change. Uh, it's important because behavior change is not linear. People think that, you know, oh, today I decide that, for example, I want to meditate and then it's just going to be this straight line upwards to life and this Olympic... Um, level yeah. meditator yeah. and that's not how habit change works habit change is a very um, erratic line it goes up and down up and down you fall off the wagon many many times uh, but the general trend of that curve is upwards and so what's crucial is do you have a plan for the day that things go wrong um, so more mm. than this actual skill of what you're trying to build of course that's important to learn but I think you really need to focus on okay the day that I forget to do what I was supposed to do, what's my, what's my plan? What, you know, is there a person I can reach out to for support? Uh, what do I say to myself in that instance? Can I be kind to myself and realize that I'm not the only one, that all of us as humans go through the same process of change? And in fact, noticing all these um, moments of quote-unquote failure are actually the path to change. Mm. So they are not separate from change. You, the, the only way to adopt that habit is to fail over and over. Uh, so the key is just to get back up after you fail and say, okay, today's a new day and I start again. And you start again and you start again. People are our greatest allies or detriments to staying stuck or moving forward. And so we don't need to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and do this alone. Like in my story, it was my actually my sister who pulled me out and said, like, just you got to come with me and do this particular these workout sessions I was doing, and or continue to do. And it's because that person was in my life yeah. that that allowed me that pulled me into that that place. That's okay. So you can also identify people in your life who may be a good influence on or inspiring or supportive in in this type of thing you want to do and reconnect with them mm. or bring up the idea with them. And if those people aren't in your life, there are people out there and there's ways to connect with them. That, the entire reason I created the Uncover the Power Within program, or a huge reason, is because I know the power of community. And if you put the right people around you, 
you're way more likely to stay motivated and inspired and take the actions you need to take that are going to lead to that fulfillment or that learning or that deeper integration. And that's not coming from me. All the world's wisdom traditions have known that for thousands of years. Hmm. And that's why the most like spiritual religious communities, they if you check them out, you don't need to opt into them. I'm not part of the, those particular communities either. But they all pre they all adhere to their practices. And it's because everyone's doing it. And there's something there's a greater cause that they're connected to in some way. And so if you can if you can find those people that are going to support your exercise, you're writing the book, you're um, uh, you're eating well, you're practicing your meditation or, or mindfulness or your spiritual discipline or whatever it might be, you're way more likely to do it. Way more. Yeah. Yes, when I was writing my last book, which is about um, my neighborhood, so just the immediate blocks around me here in this little flat, uh, a wise friend from New York sent me a, a sentence from the American naturalist John Burroughs of 100 years ago, saying, take the same path you took every day and you'll always see something new. <laughs> and mm. I loved it. And actually, the pandemic has brought that home to me because um, my parents still live in, oh, my mother still lived in the house in the hills in California, rebuilt it after the fire. So my parents between them have been in that house 54 years. And until the pandemic, I'd never walked to the end of the road, which is only 20 minutes away. Mm. And because I couldn't travel as I would otherwise, and, and it was safer and easier to take a walk than other forms of movement, I started taking this walk every day. And the first surprise was to turn around and see the ocean sparkling in the distance and golden light of early morning and realize, goodness, this is as beautiful as something I'd go halfway around the world to see in Rio de Janeiro or Capri or whatever. Mm. Um, and the second was to take the same walk every day and never find it boring. And I think most of us in the course of the pandemic have left, have, have led a much less varied uh, life than we would have otherwise but hasn't necessarily been a more boring one, at least in my case. Um, I've just been reminded that on the street across from me, where I, where I sit now, there's as much as to be found uh, as you know, on the far side of the planet, if only I can bring the eyes to it. Mm. But, uh, but I, 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 I really like your idea of, uh, of, of choosing and balancing the known and the unknown. And I think probably many of us do that Instinctively, uh, I have my same walk that I take every day, but every now and then following an impulse that's wiser than I am, I'll suddenly go in a different direction and I'm as happy about, with that. And I think it also, in my case, and this, I don't know if it applies to you, it depends on how much I'm thinking or not. If I'm taking a walk and I'm kind of working something out, of course it helps to take the same walk. And if I'm in need of a, a stimulus and, and to free myself from the grooves on which my mind is walking, 
and working, then it's great to suddenly take a, a different direction. So when I was um, about 25 years ago, I was working in San Francisco and I was working really hard and successful in the corporate world and mm, selling nice. telephone lines and um, and I was playing a whole lot harder. I was in a terrible cycle of drug abuse and and I I hadn't family intervention and I went away to this this place that was like a, a retreat center for adults. It wasn't a it wasn't just a mindfulness retreat center, but it was a Jewish retreat center because that was my background. Mm -hmm. And um, and it was there that I really started challenging things, challenging these 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 prayers, challenging what God was, challenging like all these things that I'd just been taught as rote in the past and just breaking it all apart. And, um, and then this guy came to me and he gave me a different perspective about the nature of the universe. And and he came from it more from like a Kabbalistic viewpoint, which was a mystical viewpoint around spirituality and interconnection. And, hmm. um, and all of a sudden that made a whole lot more sense to me. Right. And I remember reading this book called God and the Big Bang by this guy, Daniel Matt. And um, that I, I loved the integration of science and spirituality and saw the, the real complement and, and integration of it. And so my relationship to the universe is really being a part of this really vast interconnected space. And so I have an impact in that. And meaning like everyone does. And then I look at the science around emotional and behavioral contagion and realize that what I do impacts the people around me, the way I behave, the way I think, impacts the people around me, which impacts the people around them, which then if we look at the interconnected space of the universe, you can see how ripple effects kind of blend out. And if you have enough people, ripple effects can really uh, go out. And then also there's the, mm. the humility of, of just the vastness, the almost incomprehensible vastness of, of an ever expanding space that seemingly has no boundaries yet at the same time has boundaries. Hmm. You know, the paradox of that is, you know, mind blowing. After this experience that you've had, um, how, how do you cooperate with the universe? Or do you feel that you, there's a path for you within that? I liked, I'll say this. I, I liked the, I liked the explanation. Here's, you know, and I, I, I do I do operate under these these principles, but <clears throat> whether this is a meta, whether this is a metaphor or just an exp explanation, I really liked within the Jewish mystical understanding of things that God was all an all encompassing um, energy, and that in order for life to be created this encompassing energy had to retract to create space. Okay. What happened was when space was created, that left room for 
these these and when this with retraction happened these broken vessels like came out and were um and are all over the universe apparently and and it's and in some way it's our work to be able to live in a way that is you know to blend it with a little buddhist psychology live in a way that's more right action so that we can move towards healing mm -hmm. the the world and this you know that move bring more healing energy into the universe and um and that and i, I really like that something about that really feels good to me mm. and feels aligned with higher living and is a, a value of mine mm. within this in this life and it's probably you know really a big reason why i do what i do yeah as far as my work is concerned or my work life it's like i don't really have like a big separation between my work and yeah, yeah. you know personal life so much and so mm. um so i think being of service in this way is is my is how i operate within this universe yeah and you know it's i see it as as the energy i'm bringing within it and trying to elevate within it yeah okay yeah that's a really because nice... if we buy into the interconnected nature of things and the web in some way as a visual metaphor mm. then if you are elevating yourself so for me, if I'm elevating myself and I'm spreading out hmm. energy of elevation, then I'm doing that experience, which is in Hebrew called tikkun olam, which means to heal the world. I'm doing that action, hmm. and that that's you know we can think of it in the relationship with the universe. Um, and I and I and I buy into that. Yeah, yeah, I like that, and I guess you know then it then that's sort of the opposite of maybe what you were mentioning before, or is, is a positive emotional contagion, right? Because if you're, if you're doing that with yourself and you are um, connecting with other people, which, as you say, is, is such an important part of uh, healing for ourselves and maybe becoming present in the world, that you're able then to uh, just pass on that healing feeling... <laughs> Uh, essentially yeah, that's, that's right. right that's right well 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 um um nicholas christakis and james fowler who are two researchers came out with some of the original research when they mined that framingham study that was a study that was looking at heart disease it was like the longest study on heart disease mm. and they mined that research and they found that it turns out that there is a reality behind this emotional and behavioral contagion and showed that initially they showed that eating was you know like obesity was contagious up to three degrees and then they found loneliness was contagious up to three degrees and then they found meaning your friend's friend friend more specifically that a certain percentage around neighbors more specifically a certain percentage around strangers and whatever hmm. um and then they found that happiness measured by positive affect and life satisfaction was also contagious up to three degrees yeah and so there is a reality, yes. Yeah. So when we're when we're in service in this way in the universe and, and towards like healing, and and, and wellness and and living, um, you know, I hesitate to make it not to make it sound too cheesy, but living optimally, mm. then while 
being open to being perfect is all part of that. Make mistakes, not be perfect about your, you know, you're not, there's no, not, not trying to idealize yeah. my life or, or anybody or any teacher's life really. But because everyone, everyone has their things they work with and that's part of the process of evolving. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's all part of it. Yeah. And so there's ripples that come from that. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, I've a thousand percent from my own experience can attest to that from people that I've been in contact with or the people that I work with mm -hmm. and, uh, and see the ripples, the contagion happen amongst their, their people they're in contact with and they're in contact with and have seen that research come alive in my own life. I think number one is to be flexible and forgiving of yourself mm -hmm. uh, because yeah. the way life is, it's very difficult to maintain a consistent pattern. And I know this yeah. as somebody who teaches on various schedules each semester. Um, if I'm not willing to learn how to change my habits yeah. and adapt, um, I'll never get anything done. So um, I, I, I like to read in the mornings. I find that's really helpful to kind of get me focused. It's sort of quiet time. I like to sip my coffee and read. And, mm -hmm. and ideally, that motivates me to want to write something later in the afternoon. And so my ideal work day would be beginning the day with reading. Mm. And then the second part of the day is, is doing the writing that I want to do. And then stopping at a time where I still feel I have the energy to get out and walk do something healthy for my body and spend time with my family. But that's just the ideal. <laughs> and so um, that's the goal and it's great, but you have to be able to, to be flexible. And sometimes you won't be able to do any writing. And yeah. if you get a chance to read something, that's great. Or hmm. you just have to be flexible. It's, it's a marathon. And so, uh, I, I think you have to have a really special privileged life to be able to always have the same routine all the time. And so mm. I, think, I think mental flexibility is key to long-term success. That's great. That's really reassuring, actually, because, <laughs> yeah, I, I've become a really keen runner. And mm -hmm. I'm now getting to the stage where I can't run for more than a couple of weeks and really enjoy it without damaging my legs somehow and then having to stop. And it's very easy to be overwhelmed with the frustration of that. And what I've tried to do recently is, is exactly that, to sort of appreciate the times that I can run and just not worry too much about the times that I can't. Mm. Um, and the same, yeah. with, the same with my work uh, timetable mm. and my schedule. Yeah. I see it in a way, as, as we're talking about now, it occurs to me that that's related to the idea of admitting your ignorance that there's something about self-forgiveness yeah. and admitting your ignorance, admitting that you don't uh, have the ability to get everything that you want done mm. yeah. is, is to me related to admitting that you don't know everything that you want to do. Yeah. And okay. It's sort of this, this 
a kindness to yourself that um, mm. I think is, is important in both cases. Yeah, yeah. Once you know what brings you joy, you can yes. yeah you can start to see the world yes. in that way and, and and use it as much as possible and lean into it. That's you just said the key to a method for living. In my opinion, you said it. Yeah. What brings you joy? Yeah. What brings you joy? If you can identify what brings you joy, and as you said too, lean into it. Mm. I think you've got a good life going then. Yeah. Don't you? <laughs> I Don't hope so. you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love leaning into things now. I think this stuff where um. I, I used to be um, sort of a bit embarrassed of my sort of slightly nerdiness. Um, and then I, <laughs> when I realised that actually instead of being ashamed of this part of me, which I can't really control uh-huh. anyway, I should lean into it a bit more, buy some more shirts yes, and yeah. actually... Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. You know. Keep those glasses. Yeah. Yes, yes. I, I, you're absolutely on it. I think that's true. And it's, I mean, the, you know, the simple way of saying that is be yourself, you know, so forth. But, but I mean, we're talking about the real authentic selves. We're not just a hallmark postcard, if you will. It's a or greeting card. It's, it's truly a finding that authenticity and that real joy in yourself. And no matter what anybody else thinks of it, we are here to be our growing, wonderful selves. I'm a big fan of simple books. Um, I'll actually give you two. Yeah. Uh, one is The Miracle of Mindfulness by Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, and that is a very simple book, yet very uh, translates so well to our everyday life without over- needing to overcomplicate anything. So it makes it so doable to bring a deeper sense of presence into just really our everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, And then the second one is The War of Art, which is also a very popular book uh, by Stephen Pressfield, which is all is a very creative, short book around resistance. Okay, being able to identify resistance Mm. and, um, you know, by objectifying it, we have a whole lot more freedom around it. And he does a great creative and kind of funny way of objectifying it, um, which is reading it helps us helps us in that in that way. And lastly, please, could you tell me about a moment of Satori or enlightenment realization? Um, however you see fit to answer this question, um, could you tell me about a moment you've experienced yourself? Yeah, uh, you know, it was sometimes we experience these in our darkest moments. And for me, this was a moment I was uh, caught. I think I mentioned before I was in the real grips of, of a long cycle of drug abuse. And, and I told my friends that if you ever caught me with this guy, 
at any point, this one guy who we'd seen at all the clubs all the time, mm-hmm. he, he was always up for days and days and days. And, mm-hmm. and I said, if you ever caught me with this guy, you know, that's, that's it for me. I've hit rock bottom. And, right. and there I was with him and his broken down limousine with a, with a, a woman who was clearly like abused next to him, like laid out sleeper i don't know and i was just wanting something from him to be able to stay up to go to work the next day right and so there he was and he gave me something that was the opposite of an upper he gave me a downer right and so i was like oh this is what you i didn't even know that's what he gave me and and then i i stayed stuck around with him and went into a hotel with which was like a very dangerous place for me to be searching for this guy because he was supposed to get this stuff for me and he and he, um, but I was so desperate for it that I put my life at risk to go into this place and I couldn't find him. I came back and I woke up in that moment and said, what the hell am I doing? I don't, I realized I don't need to live this way. And it was this insight that had been clouded for so long. Mm. I need to really love myself and take care of myself. And that's my path forward. And it was that moment on that I completely woke up. I went, I went, I walked home. I left that situation and realize that I need to live uh, a life that was in service of my own health and well-being. And I didn't need to traverse this path anymore. And that was combined Hmm. with a moment that happened about probably like a few months later when I went away to that retreat center and that same mystical guy gave me an orange to eat. And he said, let me entertain me for a moment and eat this orange. And he brought me through kind of a mindful eating practice and and it was the first time i'd actually gone through a like a practice versus reading something in a book and he said how do you feel and i said i feel really relaxed he just had me come to my senses like this is the best orange i'd ever tasted in my entire life mm. I'm like you put something in this orange he's like no I, this is just this is just what it is so what, what do you how would the days weeks and months ahead be like if there was more of this and i said sign me up that's it and that started a path towards practice right now on that path i of course slipped fell you know uh figuratively hit my head you know a few times and sure. and but but i was on a path now and i started surrounding myself with the right people yeah who continued to who supported me in continuing a path of learning practice and growth and service and um, so i would say those two moments of great insight led to where i am today Well, I hope this is. I hope this ends up creating more sparks and more um, insights for everyone who's listening. And um, you know, if anyone wants to engage more specifically with me, you can just go to ElishaGoldstein.com, and I'm happy to support in any way I can.